you are destined for increase. And that's been our series. Uh, we have a number of parts, I probably up to 10, 11 or 12 or something like that. And, um, but these are really, really good messages. And um, we're also hitting on some things specifically that deal with our first fruits giving and teaching people how to reap on what they have sown, reap on what they have sown. People don't know if all I do is teach you how to give, but don't teach you how to receive, then I haven't done all of my responsibility to you as your man of God. And so um, that's what we're doing now. Destined for increase. I got these seven objectives. The four about the series, but the three really deal with our first fruits giving. And, um, and so we'll talk to you about that. Number, first of all, uh, objective number one is to encourage you to pray, plan, and prepare for a 2018 in which you are destined to increase and walk in the best that God has for you. I want you to believe that this is your year to walk into things that are better. I want you on purpose and intentional looking for ways that God is increasing you. Um, uh, I just had something that happened to me. I've been believing for at work since about 2016. And um, I've been carrying a heavy load. Your pastor been carrying a heavy load. And it's, it's kind of intense at times. And um, I said, man, they need to kind of, you know, give me some relief. And um, 2018, March 1st, actually, it actually happened. I was just like, Lord, you know, I've been praying for this a long time. I didn't want to, you know how you don't want to get your hopes up, but you know your hope needs to be up for God to move. You know what I'm talking about? Faith only works to things that you hope for. So if your hope is down, then your faith is down too. So sometimes you don't want to get your hope up because you feel like if I get my hope up, it's going to hurt me again. But I need my hope up so, so God can move because faith only comes if my hopes is up. And uh, so God moved on something I had been really in faith for um, since 20, about 2016. And, um, and it, it, it has lifted enough load that it automatically changed what I'm capable of doing. Now I can do some more community engagement that I couldn't do previous to that. And I'm believing God to even do more. Amen. Number two, to sensitize you to the necessity of spiritual sensitivity and prophetic patterns as the baseline for personal planning. That Why, Pastor David, do you give us these sheets at the beginning of the year with these scriptures on it? Because I want you to have some prophetic word that you are believing God for that what, what I have sensed and what I have discern from the prophetic voices that I consider credible, I put in that. So when the devil challenges you, you can, you can look at that sheet and say, no, get behind me, Satan. it is written. I'm going to walk in my increase this year. Stuff starts to back up. Then you fight. You war a good war according to the prophecies that's been made on your life. You don't, you don't, you don't just take it lying down and sit there when they tell you, we gonna, it's going to get worse for you. No, no, it's going to get better for me in Jesus' name, and I'm going to fight till it does. Number three, to reemphasize the purpose of prayer and planning, the, and that is the ability to act on time with purpose in line with the will of God in such a way as to, to maximize your life and kingdom contribution along the destiny path. There are destiny-defining moments, and in those destiny-defining moments, if you act the right way on time, then things move forward. If you don't, it's not that you and God, it's not that God doesn't love you anymore. But you've missed a moment. And sometimes it takes time for that to come back around. And you can't be mad. Oh, man, if I had only obeyed. No, so you're going to have to keep it moving now. You missed your window. You just got to have to keep going and saying, God, when the next time come around, I'm going to be better prepared next go around. Now, you know, God is gracious, but it's in the sovereignty of God if he decides if you even get back to that in his lifetime. And he isn't obligated. You know? And, um, but the thing is, he always recalculates your route to the place that he has for you. I mean, I want you to have some balance in it, but I also want you to be sensitive that there are moments that you got to act. If David had not said, I'm going to fight Goliath, his path to the kingdom wouldn't have happened. Okay. And so you got, to, there are these destiny defining moments when you must act. Number four, to prepare us to properly respond to key opportunities to increase through internalizing these prophetic impressions through the connections that God brings in your life, through characteristics, empowerments, and outcomes related to your destiny. Man, I was, um, I'm, I'm asking God, you know, um, there was a specific prophetic word that I had gotten 
um, here last June when Apostle preached and um, she preached about Nehemiah. And the Lord said, Nehemiah built his city. He built his city with the king's resources. And And I was like, Lord, you know, I never have asked you to give me resources from GM to build the city of GM's birth. You, I've never asked you to do that. And he said, no, you haven't. I said, you want to, I said, God, you want me to do that? Yeah. So now I'm asking. And now that I'm asking, I'm finding out stuff. I'm, you know, he shifted stuff around so that I could spend more time, you know, here and still maintain what I'm doing there. I got, I got high level executives talking to me and telling me stuff that I didn't know. Right. And then I I was talking to a guy and um, what I'm trying to do for GM, he did for Ford. And Ford paid him as an executive in in, in residence to do community service in the city of Detroit. And uh, he was telling me, he said, there's this there's this thing that the that the uh, CEO of Diplomat Pharmacy does in Flint where um, they call it 100 K, 100,000 ideas. And what it is, is you go down. You go down with an idea to this place at uh, around U of M Flint. You look up 100kideas.org, okay? And then you present them with an idea, and they help you develop it into a business plan. I was like, child, please, hush your mouth. Tell me some more. I'm like, what? I said, I said they'll, they'll do what? He said, I said, I said, I said, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. You, you mean to tell me there's people out there that's going to help me and my people take all of my ideas and develop it into a working business plan. I said, Jesus. Now, now when I wasn't, when I wasn't um, in a seeking mode, I was not finding this information out. Stuff was happening all around me. I just didn't know where it was. All right. So that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why you got to get in the right mode because you get, you know, you start internalizing the fact that there are connections that God is bringing across your path. Then you slow down. You're like, hold it. I don't know why this stuff is happening, but, but I get to the point where I learn how to work with God. I slow down. Okay, I start writing stuff down. I don't know who I'm meeting. I'm, I got my business cards. I got all these things handy because God, it just might be the day. My hookup might just be coming today. I don't want to miss it. I've been sowing. I've been believing. I've been confessing. I've been praying. And when it's time to act, I'm going to act. I'm not going to get in there and start choking. I don't know why they want. Why are they asking me? They're asking me. I've been praying for more money. And then they say, we want you to take this job. Slow down. Slow down. Stop, stop turning stuff down. I'm nervous. I, I don't like speaking in front of people. You better open your mouth and say something. God's trying to answer your prayer. That's not the time to be all shy and stuff. Go go home and be shy on a different day. Get in your bathroom and do all of that stuff. But when you get out there, when it's time to game day, baby, you got to, you got to hit that shot, man. Did you see that guy from University of Michigan last night? I know they called it lucky, but forget them. He hit that shot. And then the buzzer went, boom, and it went. You liked that, didn't you? You like that? You like that, bro? He 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 made that thing go. <laughs> they was in Houston, then it was like Houston. We have a problem. <laughs> I'm a Houstonians. God bless you. But it was our turn this year. Hallelujah. Um, there are times when you have to produce when it's time. See, you can't you can't then just be looking at the game tape and then. Spending the rest of your time looking in the rearview mirror. We've done enough of that. We've looked at all of these things. If I could go back and do it over, stop that, bump that. Take the time that God's put in front of you now and decide I'm going to move forward now and I'm going to walk in my destiny. So you internalizing impressions, connections, characteristics. When God starts to describe to you what your destiny is looking like, then go with it. Like, like, I'm really starting to walk with God and say, okay, here's, you know, I'm asking God, you know, what's my, what's my next thing? I've been doing the same gig for seven years, Lord, what's next? And so he's starting to describe things to me. Now, it's not all coming out in like, yeah, yeah, I say. And then I'm writing down, a, you know, eight pages. I take a step. I get an impression and I move towards that. And as I move towards it, I get more insight. 
right? The path of the just shines brighter, brighter to the perfect day. So I walk in the light that I have, and then I get more light. But I'm internalizing the things that he's sharing with me about it. I'm in internalizing empowerments. If I'm destined to increase, then I'm taking the power that I have to do something, right? We talked about the fact that you honor the Lord with your substance and your barns will be filled with plenty. So I'm telling myself I have the power to save money. I don't have to spend it all. It doesn't have to burn a hole in my pocket. I got the power to save, not spend. It's a power. It's an empowerment. And outcomes. I'm actually looking for God to change things that I couldn't change before. I'm looking for a different result. I'm looking for different outcomes. I'm looking for increase. Even though I might have tried to do this stuff before, I'm looking for stuff different. Like I'm talking to the Lord now. I know there's, um, and this is just this is just me processing this as your pastor. So I, I, I'm saying, Lord, um, I need a healing revival in my church. I know I got people here that's facing some health challenges. Man, our whole city is facing health challenges. I feel like we need to have a thing where we, we bring, we tell all of the kids in the community, you got some lead poison and come here, we're going to lay hands on your child. So I'm reaching, I'm, 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 I'm just, that's an outcome that I'm asking God for to increase the people in my congregation. Got a man in mind, going to reach out to him. I'm going to bring somebody in who specializes, who has some healing documented miracles behind him, who can help us establish a certain faith level to receive in this area beyond what we have before. That doesn't mean we, you ain't believing God. I ain't say that. Don't hear what I didn't say. But I'm looking for some outcomes beyond what I've already generated, so I'm going to do something that I haven't done. Does that make sense? So you got to be comfortable with doing things when you're looking for a different outcome. I'm asking God to get some increase beyond what we have. What must I do more? And that's what I'm asking you to do, things that are related to destiny. Number five, to prepare you to souls. Most of you have. Some of you still are. Please get involved. And receive from your first fruits offering. And I'm going to talk about the receiving part. And then six, demonstrate the precept and example, the power of first fruits giving. And then the highlight principles of reaping and patience that empower you to maximize your life. All right? Our scripture here has been Genesis 1, 26 through 29. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food. So we, we've been making certain statements, and this is just some review points. We believe that we're going to be lights in our community. God's going to cause a light of spiritual, social, and economic empowerment to come from this place. So I'm looking for things to break out through you. All right? And that it is because we're destined to increase and that God's going to raise and cause people to come from, from all over to this house, to this church, to this ministry, and that they're going to get the wisdom that they need to be leaders in whatever area of authority that God assigns them to. All right? We've talked about the fact that God is a God of purpose, that, um, that he expresses purpose in pictures called vision, that God speaks out the picture that he saw within himself, but when he came to man, he himself was the picture, right? Then we talked about the fact that um, God gave you leadership authority, dominion over the planet. God empowered man to function in the blessing, and that God's final gift to man 
was seed. Seed has a picture inside of itself of the harvest. An apple seed already has the blueprint, the picture of an apple tree with apples on it. Right? So God has a picture inside himself. God himself is the picture of you. The seed that you sow has a picture inside of itself of a harvest. See how these pictures are important? They're blueprints. All right? So then um, we've talked about the fact, um, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Let's go on down to there. I'm just doing some review because I got some stuff I really want to get to. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. And it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. All right, so that's our second core scripture. We use that one. That was the basis of our faith um, related to the our first fruits offering. Every seed has a picture of a harvest inside of it. Right? An apple seed doesn't have an orange tree inside of it it doesn't right it has this it has the picture of the harvest so when we sow a first fruits gift the picture that it has within it is my barns being filled with plenty and my presses breaking out with new wine that's the picture inside the seed you sowed has this picture inside of it all right so make sure that the picture that is inside the seed is inside of you. A farmer who sows an apple seed doesn't have a picture of an orange harvest inside of him. He makes sure that what he's expecting agrees with what he's sowing. All right? So I want you to have the same picture inside you that's inside your seed. Man. I'm going to save more money this year than I've ever saved in Jesus' name. I'm going to find places where there are people that can help me turn my ideas into investments that increase. Your pastor just gave you one. I mean, you've been having this business idea. I don't know what to do with it. I Just walk up and talk to him. Any man lack wisdom, let him ask. I get counsel. I, oh, yeah, I love, I love counsel. I love people that talk to me about stuff that I'm doing wrong that they can show me how to do better. You in my business. No, get in my business, baby. Get it, hook a brother up. Help me out. Show me. Because once I got it, I got it. You give it to me, I'm not going to be there no more. Now, I'm not, I might have some other issues, but once I got it, I got it on lock. You understand what I mean when I say that? I got it on lock. That means once I got it, I got that thing. It's no longer your idea. It's mine now because I got it. <laughs> some, people, <laughs> some people don't like preaching around me because they know if, if I really get it, I really got it. I can take what you got. And I can put it in. And once I really, really got it, oh, I got it. Okay? So you want to have that same clarity that God has something for you. And that picture that's inside the seed needs to be the picture that's inside you. That he's going to help you this year, right? So um, we've talked about that the picture that you have is a substance it's how you steward and how you give. Increase is giving from, from what you gain. Barns filled with plenty is the ability and opportunity to save and vats that overflow are ideas and investments that produce. Okay. Then I made the statement that first fruits offerings comply with the principle of prototype. Right? First fruits offerings with the principle of prototype. And here's the definition of prototype. A prototype is a first typical or preliminary model of something, especially a machine from which other forms are developed or copied. Right? If the prototype is wrong, the copies can't be right. 
it was interesting. We were using this terminology and um, the, 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 the person who worked with us, the praise and worship leader that worked with us, used the same term to describe our worship leader. She's like, he's a prototype. Like, I wish I could take what you have done with him and multiply it in all of these churches that I'm going to. Most young men his age that play their hirelings. But he's anointed and he's skilled and he's submitted and he's teachable. Proto. Type. If your prototypes, if your prototype is wrong, then the copies can't be right. Adam was a prototype. One man sinned, and by him, sin and death spread to the whole world. Right? So we've given you these eight examples of prototype. Number one is the Godhead. God said, we're going to make mankind in our image and likeness. God is the prototype. He's the master that he intended for us to be a copy of. Number two, we talked about the Garden of Eden, right? God gave mankind dominion, and he gave him a prototype of the garden, and that garden was supposed to spread to fill up the whole planet as man was fruitful and multiplied. He was supposed to take that prototype and make more copies of it. The widow in 2 Kings 4, she borrowed a pot of oil, and then she poured from what was in the one pot, to the rest of the pot. So that one pot of oil was the prototype, wasn't it? Finally, Jesus is a prototype. His resurrection is the first of its kind, and we're supposed to get another resurrected body just like he is. Amen? Number five, the principal minister. My life in the church is supposed to be a prototype. That's why I got to watch how I live. Some stuff I don't do just because it won't multiply well. I'm like, nah, mm -mm, that, that won't even, like, God, you know, you, you, could, you could give me a lottery number, but I don't like that as a prototype. I don't want that multiplied in my congregation. So I, some things I stay away from because I don't, I don't want the multiples of it. Okay. Some things are just not good examples. I want y'all to see me out in a restaurant, Christian cussing. So, you, know, you know Christian cussing. You know what I mean when I say that? They Christian, but they really tell you how you feel like you done been cussed. Somebody done mess with their food, they get all indignant. I'm like, they don't even look like Christians. And then they give bad tips and ask for everything four times four things over and then they don't even give a standard tip all right get all real quiet up in here um number six i work on the location that we have here establishing policies and procedures i've asked lady nedra um, i have charged her to put things in us to document how we do everything we do why because our intention is to multiply to multiple locations why you got to write all that stuff down? Because it's all in your head. We can't, we can't reproduce what's in your head. Then we have, then come to church is like a crapshoot. Is it going to be good today? Is it not? We don't know. Depends on what you remember. Now that bugs you. Your pastor's an engineer, so that bugs him. I'm going to just tell you, okay? Number seven, the man, the husband, and the father. That's why I've dealt with men and men of destiny prayer. Because I'm like, listen, man, you got to know how to pray. You're supposed to be able to multiply your life in the congregation. In, I was going to say in the congregation, but in the congregation of your house. You're supposed to lead as a personal example. Don't sit around telling them to do stuff you're not doing. Supposed to be an example. Um, and then finally, eight. You... As you go out and disciple others, you're a prototype. I got a video that I wanted to share with you today. I want you to see, because that's we talked about this in discipling others for destiny, that we're supposed to be a disciple, and then it takes one, the prototype, to make others. It takes one to make one. 
You can't take somebody in discipleship where you've never been. Right? And so I got, I got something we want to share. Go ahead. Well, good afternoon, Pastor Johnson. This is Deacon Randy White from Bible Truth Ministries. And uh, I am so very pleased to be here this evening or this afternoon to be able to talk to you a little bit about the benefits of uh, accountability and what it's meant to not only me, but to uh, Chris and Dewana Parker. And you had recently asked some questions about the benefits of accountability. And what we'd like to do is just uh, speak a little bit to that because uh, over the last, um, almost, has it been 10 years? 10 years, Chris and Dewana has become uh, our spiritual children for my wife, Simone and I. And unfortunately, my wife could not be here. It was a long day. So uh, I'll be sharing some things that uh, both Simone and I both uh, our heartbeat where accountability has been and the importance and significance for us. So we're going to speak to that in just a second. But I would like to tell you just uh, for me, before I can talk about accountability and what it's meant to the Parkers, I have to tell you what it's meant to me. Because uh, since coming here to Bible Truth Ministries in 2002, uh, one of the key things that Pastor Roy and Pastor Ramona Smith highly encouraged for everyone that comes through is to be accountable. And what it does is uh, it helps you to keep things in focus. It helps us to, when we're about to make bad decisions or decisions that's not going to benefit us or anyone else, it helps to have a voice of reason so that before you make that decision, you can bounce it off someone. And they're going to give you not just their opinion, but the what the word says about that matter. And so it's always important to have someone a little bit more spiritually mature than you to be able to be accountable to. So they're not just agreeing with how you feel about a thing, but what does the word say about it? Because at the end of it all, whatever the word says, that's the final approval for it. So um, with that being said, I'd like to um, say that Chris, first of all, uh, he ended up coming to my life on by, by way of his wife. But his wife had met my wife, Simone, down at the college. And Dewana, as you will know, was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she was one that when my wife was talking to her, she said, holla, and all this kind of uh, urban language. <laughs> and it was really funny because uh, she and Simone developed really a strong relationship and they began to talk and, and uh, Mr. Wanda was on fire for trying to do something to make life better for herself. But some of the ways that she was going about it wasn't the best way of doing things. And so uh, Simone began to mentor her, and they began a relationship. So I'd like to, to wanted to talk about just briefly what accountability and the mentoring relationship was with her and Miss Simone. Then we will draw Chris into it because Chris came along after the, the relationship was developed with, some, uh, with my wife and uh, Dewana. So they want to share a little bit about that relationship prior to meeting Miss Simone, after meeting her, and then as you came to know her, and then the mentoring aspect that led into accountability. Uh, well, for me, um, the accountability has been a real big successful in my life. Um, before I gave my life to the Lord, I was on my way of destruction. Mm -hmm. I either would have been in jail or dead. And once Miss um, Simone seen me at college, I was in college, um, just had a baby out of wedlock, and she really wasn't judgmental or anything. She just accepted me for who I was and was like, hey, I look like you need some, um, would you like to come to church? She invited me to church. And then I said, well, I really don't want to go to church. I've been raised up in church all my life, and um, I don't really like doing different things like that. So she just kept being there saying, hey, how are you doing? What's going on for Easter? Different things like that. So eventually I end up going to church and I was like, well, I got somebody else to come with me. <laughs> Is that okay if he come? He said, sure. So we came and with doing that, she was able to give me the word. And also I gave my life to the Lord. And once I gave my life to the Lord, my life had changed from there financially, my marriage, my family, we ended up getting marital counselors to really see if there was a good fit for us. And also, they just gave us some good guidance based off the word of God, where we was at. 
Um, because without accountability, I will be probably dead or in jail somewhere. Um, they was able to speak life into my life and telling me about situations that I could get myself out of and different things that I could do because I really had a big problem about anger and um, having control with that. And I was able to deal with that by the word of God and being able to be successful, get some encouragement from some good godly people and not from my friends saying, hey, go out and use a gun or doing something um, illegal. And so that's been a blessing for me in my life. It saved my life, saved my family, and I'm here today to still talk about it. Amen. And Chris, I'm going to ask you the same thing because um, it ended up, uh, Pastor Johnson, they came to our house one day after um, Easter service, and we had went out to, to eat and everything, and Dewana had already given her life to Christ, but she was still kind of shacking up with Chris, and uh, she was learning about the, the importance of, uh, of uh, accountability. And so Chris, he came to the house not just kind of hanging out with uh, Dewana, and he and I ended in conversation. And then he ended up giving his life to Christ. He said, why wait? Let's do that today. And then his life was changed, uh, and he began on a path towards uh, leaving a life of destruction to doing the right things for the right reason and honoring God. So, Chris, for you, uh, what does that look like for you for accountability and building that mentoring relationship and things like that? So, accountability is key. It's vital. It has shaped me as a man. It has uh, bettered me as an individual. It has helped me as a uh, as just an overall individual person. And I say that because it's I'm our model Deacon Randy and, and Miss Simone, and gradually in my life they have changed from Deacon Randy to Uncle Randy to most recently. I said, do you care if I call you my pops? Because they've been that significant in my life. And I model him as he followed Christ. I follow him. And it's a, so it's a lifestyle is what it is. It's, it's not just a, a one, one time a renewal type things. It's a mm -hmm. constant process. And like Dewana says, because on March 23rd, 2008, uh, I surrendered to the Lord. I, in return, saved my whole family. I had a baby out of wedlock, uh, 19 years old. She was my main priority. But I said, well, my mom didn't raise me like this. Uh, let me straighten up and fly right. And Dewana, she's telling the story. But I was I was there to, to tell my side of the story. She didn't end up renewing herself until three months later. And it seemed like uh, eternity because light and dark just couldn't mix. Um, mm -hmm. Nevertheless, uh, I had a piece of the word. I had Deacon Randy in my corner. He's saying, he just simplifying things like he says, uh, uh, like I said, light and dark just don't mix. He he would tell me, hey, uh, son, if you get past today, don't bring today into tomorrow. Just continue to move forward as according to the word where it says, uh, forgetting what lies behind but moving forward. And so accountability, even at the age of 30, is 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 it's necessary. It's really no words to accountability. It's, it's, it's just it is it's life changing life changing is uh what accountability has done for me has set me up for i can go from victory to victory to victory so when i do fall because i will fall when i do fall i just don't stay down and i have such a resound bounce back now knowing that my pain that i'm going through is for somebody else knowing that the picture is way bigger than me knowing that i'm standing i'm committed to my family based off watching deacon randy and my mama trey and I'm committed to my family. I'm standing for a thousand generations. And so accountability is mm -hmm. phenomenal. It's incredible. I would, uh, I'm so thankful. I, I, I'm so thankful for the White's life um, that we can, um, we can, our life is better because they, they was born. And I attribute a lot and all of it to bless God. But I thank God for my pastors not giving up, just being peoples and walking this thing out. They says, We'll, you'll quit on us before we quit on you. And my God, has we have some 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 interesting, some trying times, some some good times and bad times. But the good outweigh the bad by a, a thousand, by a zillion. And when I get caught up in my emotions, I realize that eternity is promised to me. So how does this compare to eternity? How does it compare to the cross? It uh, accountability. Everything my pop my pops will say. Everything is based off of everything. So I take my hats off to my deep granny, to my pastors, 
to my wife uh, getting on board and uh, thank God for just for accountability is what it is. And then if I may just close it, um, I think uh, they, and there it is, it's life changing. It's essential for the Christian. It's essential for the born again person who wants something more. And I think one of the most beautiful things that I learned from my pastors, because I'm only passing on what I've to them what I've received mm -hmm. and what my wife has received, mm -hmm. is that it's not enough to have just for yourself. The word of God says when a man's ways are pleasing before him, first of all, he will make his enemies to even be at peace with him. Oh, yeah. But the word also says the Lord is pleased with the, the giver whose heart is cheerful and their 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 heart is in their giving. And he will give us Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And that's just not for our pastors. That's just not for us. That's for everyone who, whosoever would receive that. And I believe that the accountability is the foundation for all of those things. So thank you. I hope that helps a little bit about the benefits of accountability from our standpoint. Stay blessed. Go ahead. You can clap right there. Now, this is my cousin. She's sweetly saved. Okay, I'm just saying, like, like I know the backstory. So she has really changed. And the change didn't come because she met the pastor. She, it wasn't the pastor. It was the people. They weren't even in, you, you heard his title. He wasn't in a formal leadership. He's the deacon. but because they, they met some real disciples in the church who was taking what they heard and implementing in their lives, then their life could multiply. And like, like I went down to Omaha and I saw my cousins and I didn't have, like there was a church I was there to see, there was a pastor I was there to see, and I'm like, praise God. But then I started listening to her testimony and I had to slow down. Remember that thing? I'm like, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Stop the press. Because you don't really change. You, you know how you look at some people and they're like, yeah, 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 you say, yeah, 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 all right, all right, all right. But then you slow down and say, eh, you know, you pump the brakes. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, okay, tell me some more. And then it wasn't because I met this great pastor with this great teaching thing. And they do. They got some good preaching and pre teaching and preaching. It was that somebody in that church was a prototype and began to multiply their life into her life. That's what I'm looking for you. That's how we're going to grow this church. Because, listen, they committed to their church. They committed to their man of God. But notice that they're calling the deacon the spiritual father. Y'all didn't miss that, did you? So what is that telling me? That's telling me that if you get the seed right as a prototype, then your life can be multiplied into other people's lives. Pastor David, why are you all into this foundation thing? Why are you making us do all of these scriptures and stuff? Because I want your life to multiply. When I want, I want to be able to say, okay, I can give you to this person, and they will teach you how to pray. They will, they will teach you how to make a confession from the word of God. That if you just spend time with them, your life will improve. That I'm confident that, that, that the church will go forward because they're so committed to the house and they're committed to the principles that I'm teaching them that when they teach you, I know you're going to be better. That's a whole lot bigger than you just coming and showing up and putting some in the offering and sitting here and singing some songs and saying, go ahead, pastor. That's different than that. They opened up their life. They were at their house, not the church house, not the pastor's house.
and the pastor was comfortable with them getting into their business. And they didn't come out with splitting the church. Okay. I want you to understand that part of the destined to increase that we have is your life being a prototype for others. So you got to make sure that the master copy is right. Because if the master's wrong, more copies won't make that master right. If you're defective, you're going to produce a bunch of defects. Okay? But think about that in every area. God, um, I'm believing that you're going to multiply with me with multiple bank accounts, but I'm going to get this first one right. I'm going to stop paying overdrafts on number one. I'm just saying. I believe you're going to give me a bunch of properties, but I'm going to get this first property together. I'm just saying, whatever you believe in to multiply, I want you to put that principle in it. Because you're the picture of the harvest of souls that's coming from you. So get you, get it fixed so that you can multiply in others' lives. All right, I, talked, I promised you I was going to give you a little bit on reaping today, so let me do that. Mark 4, 26 through 29, I'm reading this out of the King James Version. And it says, and he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. Now, the seed has a picture of a harvest in it, doesn't it? We've talked about that. So that man slept and rise, believing that that picture that was inside the seed would, be, would match the picture of the harvest that was inside him. But he didn't know how it was going to manifest. He just believed that that picture in him would match the picture of the seed, which would match the picture of the harvest. All right? 28. For the earth, the ground that the seed is planted in, brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. He says that the process has a way of taking care of itself. I am confident. Why is Pastor David spending all of his time making sure that the foundations class happened, keeping you motivated? Because some of y'all got this test anxiety. I'm like, come on now. But why am I spending all this time pressing you in these areas? Because I'm confident that if I get the right seed in your ground, the earth will bring forth fruit of itself. I got to make sure I get the right seed in you, and then your life will multiply on its own. A farmer is confident that that seed, if planted in the right place, that the ground would make sure that that seed causes that picture that's inside of it to come outside of it. The earth brings forth fruit of itself. And then the person who sowed the seed has to go back with the sickle to get the harvest. So four keys to sowing and reaping. Now, most people talk to you about the seed part. This is not a lead up to another offering. I'm not against other offerings. I'm just saying this is not one. I'm going to talk to you about the reaping part. I'm trying to get you to reap on the seed that you've already sown. The first is the principle of a seed. We've talked about the principle of a seed, so we know that principle, that the seed has a picture of the harvest inside of it. But this one tells me that there's a principle of a season after the time you sow. Genesis 8:28 calls it seed, then time, and then harvest. That principle of a season where you must sleep and rise night and day. Now, how long is that season? The Bible doesn't tell me, so I cannot tell you. So I just have to know that there is a time that I must endure with expectation while my seed is developing a root system. So I call this season sowing and growing. 
right? After I've sold it, I'm believing that even though I don't see it, something's growing. I call this saying and praying, right? Because after, after Elijah sowed his water seed before the harvest came, he was praying earnestly. And he kept praying, but he kept, he kept speaking and seeking. He said praying, but look, this was a watch and pray. Like when I'm praying over seed that I've sown, I'm looking for some sign of harvest, right? And then I call this one working around your ground. Yeah, I'm keeping the bugs out. I'm keeping my heart right. I'm forgiving folks. I'm watering the seed that I've sown with my prayer life and with my praise life. Right? I'm doing all of those things on top of the seed that I've sown. Then number three is the principle of what I call successive manifestations. Do not expect it all to manifest at once. That's what Elijah prayed and all he saw was the cloud of a size of a man's hand, but he knew that was enough, baby. The rest of his coming is on the way, right? Successive manifestation. I call this one roots, shoots, and fruits. Because it says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. The seed, when I don't see it, is becoming a root system that then shoots out of the earth as a blade, and then grows till it becomes full fruit, successive manifestation. You got that? Y'all looking at me like you didn't get that, because that's a really important point. First the blade, right? When, you, when you're sleeping and rising night and day, don't say nothing's happening. Something's happening you can't see. A farmer doesn't pull up his harvest and say it's not growing, because when you pull it up, you mess it up. So you leave it in the ground and continue to water, believing that things are happening that you cannot see. Right? That's a root system. The seed is becoming a root that will eventually become a shoot that will grow up to become fruit. Hallelujah. And then there is finally number four, the principle of the sickle. Now, this is the one time that you can be moved by sight. Right? When I sow my seed and I sleep and rise, I got to believe it's working and continue to water it when I can't even see it. But I'm looking for something. Elijah prayed after he sowed and was looking. He was praying and looking. He was speaking, but he was seeking. And when he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. He said, ah, what I have been sowing for is manifesting. All right? So the principle of the sickle says that I'm moved by sight because I have to wait until my harvest is fully formed. If not, like, there's some opportunities that I'm moving towards and I'm starting to see things manifest, but I, I, I can't move too soon. Because if I move too soon, my harvest isn't fully developed and grass don't taste good. Yeah. It's first the blade, but if I pull my blade up and try to eat it now, I'm not going to be 100% happy. Okay? So there are times... With, with, with harvest, timing is a really key part of it. I got to really work on what God is showing me about my timing when I get to the point of harvest, okay? So, the power of the sickle isn't fully understood. The, the principle of the sickle says that there's a second, separate, definite action required to reap on what you've sown. Don't just sow your seed and just sit down on your do-nothing expecting every God to do something. The person who had the seed is the same person who went back and grabbed the sickle. So that meant that they did some second, separate, alternate, definite action to harvest on the seed that they had sown. They didn't just sit there waiting for God to bring it in. They understood they had to pluck them and shuck them. Any, any, any people, my mom used to go out, I hate it when she got fresh corn. 
I hated it. I hated what she had. I mean, you know, we like to eat it, but we didn't like to do the work. Wait, but that's what happened with folks, right? They sow the seed and they don't want to do the work. Jesus said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers, few. People don't like to pluck them and to shuck them. They think cause just because they gave, it's just supposed to plop out of heaven, and God's supposed to do all of their harvesting for them. But that's, that's not what that scripture said, right? So I'm first of all, because I understand that there's a principle of successive manifestation, I don't get upset when it doesn't come form, it doesn't come out fully formed the first time. I'm believing God to show something, and then all they do is, I want him to cancel the debt, but he reduced it. Well, praise God, I'm going to stand next to that, can that reduced debt, and I'm going to thank God for it, because I'm on the way to the full thing. Okay, I want 100% I want healing, but now the pain is more manageable. I'm just saying... I want you to be okay with God progressively manifesta manifestations of your blessing. Be okay with the progress. See, the devil, when there's nothing manifesting, he's going to tell you ain't nothing working, ain't nothing working, ain't nothing working. And then you stand back, you stand next to that blade and say, see, something's been happening all the time. You've just been lying to me because you are a liar from the beginning. It's not the full thing. It's not the full thing, but it don't have to be. I'm not ready to eat it yet, no way. Sometimes something starts to happen, and then we rush too fast, particularly when it comes to business opportunities. I have to be careful because Lady Ned will be like, pump your brakes, son. Pump your brakes, bro. Pump your brakes. Because when I see something I want, I'm ready to go. But it may not be fully ripe yet. And if I am not careful, then I will try to harvest the blade and grass don't taste good. So sometimes God is saying, even though I got proof that something's been happening, you can't eat yet. So you wait for it. And then God says, okay, now, no, 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 no. Now, now you waited long enough. Like I'm in a zone now. All kinds of stuff is manifesting, but I'm still trying to be sensitive to God because I don't know. He ain't told me yet that it's right. But when it gets right, then I also know that the same person who sowed the seed is the person who has to go back with the sickle. I got to pluck them and shuck them. Yeah, the principle of the sickle. Let's stand. Did that bless you?